welcome once again to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. Uh, I'm Michael Taylor, the Practice Lead for Travel at J.D. Power. And as as always, joining me is Andrea Stokes, who's the uh, head of our hospitality studies at, at uh, J.D. Power. Hello, Andrea. Hello. And Jenny Corwin, who is our DCI, as I like to watch... Uh, uh, English or British uh, television uh, police procedurals. That's Deputy Chief Inspector, but in this case, it's the uh, Director of Consumer Insights, Jenny Corwin. Hello. You could be in a you know BBC uh, police procedural. Do you ever thought about that, Jen? You know, uh, maybe in the next life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thought you know the big news, uh, of course, this past week or so uh, has been the release of the hotel study. Uh, that which is a you know huge project that Andrea does every year. So Andrea, why don't you give us the rundown of what happened there? Sure, thank you, Mike. Uh, yes, so very um, happy to announce the results of our twenty fifth uh, hotel guest satisfaction study. Um, exciting results given. Uh, given the environment still, um, we are still in a pandemic, but uh, the study results really showed how hotels um, got through the pandemic and how guests uh, reacted to all of the um, changes at hotels during this time, uh, whether positively or negatively. Um, you know, a couple of highlights include uh, breakfast. So, you know, through no fault of the hotels over the past year, they've had to adjust their food and beverage offerings. And especially in limited service hotels uh, that typically offer complimentary breakfast, uh, essentially that, that went away um, for many, many months um, during the pandemic. And guests certainly um, were not happy about it. Uh, they definitely, uh, I think, look for, for hotel brands in the limited service space to offer some kind of uh, complimentary breakfast. Uh, the breakfast that was offered during this time, maybe it was a grab-and-go um, lunch bag, you know, maybe it was a very limited, uh, whatever very limited food that the hotel could offer um, guess you know in some segments of the of the industry just were not really happy with the quality and the variety um, that hotels had to provide again through no faults of the hotels you know there were a lot of restaurant closures hotels were included in that um, a lot of local mandates and state mandates that hotels had to follow but it definitely the the dissatisfaction with that definitely came out in the study um, on what? the positive side, uh, guests were very, very happy with housekeeping and the cleanliness of their guest rooms. We reported last year that uh, cleanliness was uh, really rated the highest it's ever been um, by guests in our study, um, and that continued this year. So kudos to housekeeping staff. We're really keeping up, keep, keeping up very high standards. Uh, around cleanliness. Andrea, I was just curious if there was any uh, brands that seemingly did better with COVID or not. Yeah, you know, um, everyone sort of, all of the brands, the major chains face the same thing and their individual hotel properties, whether 
whether they were managed uh, by some of the large chains or, uh, you know, franchised by hotel owners. I think they did their best to um, follow any, you know, chain standards that were put out around uh, safety and cleanliness over the past year. Um, some, you know, uh, properties maybe had a little more to do depending on the state that they were in. Um, but generally, you know, guests certainly um, did see uh, at least some of these protocols in place during their stay, uh, whether it was staff wearing masks or signage in the hotel around safety, um, social distancing, that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, almost all guests did notice at least, you know, one of these protocols in place during their stay. So that's that's good. All right. What, what other findings uh, did you uncover in this mm-hmm. one? What, what other topics of interest? I mean, obviously, COVID is the big, sure. uh, big one. But what, what else drove satisfaction among hotel stays? Yes, I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of questions around, you know, what will what will the future look like coming out of the pandemic? You know, all of the changes that that hotels made and changes that customers made and what are the expectations? Um, We, you know, we do ask guests sort of what hotel amenities are nice to have versus need to have. Uh, and we've been asking that question in our study for many, many years. So we, we are able to sort of kind of predict, um, you know, what hotel amenities um, are, are, are going to sort of increase in, in demand. Definitely, our study this year showed a big jump in uh, guests uh, saying that they need to have a smart TV in their hotel room. And so... Um, you know, I think that's uh, uh, because of the pandemic and we've all been at home watching more TV and subscribing to more and more of these entertainment services. Um, so I, it's it's one thing that, you know, I guess we predict that we'll be here to stay. Um, you know, if hotels can afford it, I guess I would I would tell hotel owners to make sure that uh, they upgrade their TVs to smart TVs. Now, does a smart TV mean that you can use your streaming services? I, I have exactly. to admit, I, I never use them in, in a hotel. Exactly. Right, so if I right, remember right. Netflix, I can log on and, you know, watch uh, my latest BBC police procedural. Sure. Yeah, Netflix, Disney Plus, right? You know, guess, um, again, we've, we've all been at home sort of cooped up. And uh, now when guests are going on the road, they definitely want to still be able to access their um their entertainment services and streaming I, services. I should ask Jenny, because as she is our, you know, resident tech person uh, on this podcast, and she has a young child who I know loves Disney characters. I mean, is that something you do, Jen? Do you log on to your Disney Plus account and let Elsie look at uh, her programming? I think it's cool when they offer it. We generally travel with the iPad, so the internet is a little more important for us, right? We, we take the <laughs> iPad, she can do her own thing, we can watch our stuff. But um, we do sometimes, we have logged in on smart TVs. I like to do that. I also like when you can hook up your own devices to the TV, right? So you could stream without logging in on their TV because um, sometimes you forget and then you leave yourself logged in. Uh, 
and that counts as one of your devices or other people can mess up your algorithm. You know, you got to be careful with uh, when you leave to, to log yourself out of your smart TV. Well, personally, I, I never do that. Um, although I'm so old, I've left uh, compact discs in rental cars on many occasions. So <laughs> I have some empty uh, CD holders in my uh, library that every time I think, oh, I should listen to Joshua Tree again. And I realize, ooh, I left that in Las Vegas. So <laughs> well, anyway, thank you, Andrea. I know it was a very busy week for you. This is always the busiest week uh, that you have, I think, during the year because you've got a lot of clients and a lot of hotels to talk about. So thank you very much for that update. So Jenny, um, you know, I... You know, there's some, been some news about mask mandate lawsuits. And, of course, everybody is really concerned about the continued use of masks everywhere, especially on airlines. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's happening with the mask situation and travel. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as we know, there's the, the federal mask mandate. So and it, it includes transportation, right? Federal transportation and uh, public transportation in general. So airlines, obviously, uh, you're required to still wear a mask regardless of what your destination or your origin are doing. So um, that mandate is set to expire September 13th. And I think a lot of travel organizations and travelers are hoping that, that the government just lets it expire, honestly, at this point. So um, you know, we've seen some articles recently that say things like 75% of altercations um, and unruly passenger reports on planes lately have been due to masks, right? So passengers not wanting to wear their masks and then they're escalating, shouting matches, even physical violence, right? There's some some lawsuits that are seeking to, to end the mask mandate early. Well, I think a lot of the industry is really just looking to let this, let this mandate expire. Um, because it has been extended through September 13th. So, I mean, obviously we're gonna have to see what happens with the, the variants and, and vaccination rates and all of those things. But um, it, it, I think when we see this increase in unruly passengers, right, we are creating a different problem, right? Um, there is the potential for escalating violence and obviously no one wants to see that either. So. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of months. You know, hopefully it's only you know, two more months and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. But, um, yeah, I, I guess we'll just have to see until then. Yeah, and I can just add a little bit to that. And the studies that we've done through Passenger View, which is our on-airport cell phone survey, you know, we've been able to estimate about 45 to 46 percent of people traveling are extraordinarily infrequent travelers. And uh, I think that the um, just the angst from the pandemic and as you pointed out, you know, the various laws and requirements for mask wearing may change. And then when those people meet <laughs> in a space, a confined space like an aircraft or an airport, I mean, tensions get ratcheted up pretty fast. So um, I, I have not seen a debate, at least in the day that we've been looking at. It's still uh, a problem as big a problem as it was two or three months ago. All right. Well, thanks, Jen, for that. Uh, I thought for my particular topic, I would talk about the Canadian border reopening or semi-reopening, depending on how you want to look at it, from what side of the border you're standing on. But the Trudeau government up in Canada has decided that uh, I believe August 9th will be the date in which some Canadians and some Americans can uh, come across the border. Although from the American side, that may not do you a lot of good um, because the uh, Biden administration so far has not 
given any response. And then I noticed in the Canadian press release, or at least in the interview that the um, um, Minister of Tourism for Canada gave, uh, she was practically begging the United States to say, hey, you know, we're, we're meeting you quite literally halfway. Please meet us the other way. Um, so, and we've seen this in our data uh, on the airline study. It really did affect um, the ability for us to rank Canadian airlines. Uh, we really had a hard time finding folks simply because the preponderance of our sample comes uh, at the United, from the United States, even though we do have quite a few Canadians uh, in that. So, you know, from our procedural standpoint, I would like to see the Canadian border open on both sides, the American side. And also, there's been some resumption of European travel, um, as announced by Delta and American this past week. Uh, but that's in very select areas. And then once you get there, you're going to have uh, some restrictions about quarantining. Uh, and then also, just to get back to Canada, there are a myriad of uh, exceptions to the rule about who's going to be allowed to stay, uh, you know, move about freely and when you're going to be able to move about freely. But they are lifting the three-day quarantine for people who have a full full vaccination from the United States uh, in Canada. So you don't have, won't have to stay at a hotel um, for three days. And just personally, uh, you know, I'm trying to uh, travel, uh, schedule my uh, annual trip to Scotland to go play golf. And at the moment, I'd have to stay for an entire week in one hotel and take a test uh, a few times during that stay. So that uh, doesn't really uh, lend itself to a vacation if you got to stay in a hotel for a week. Anyway, um, well, I'd like to thank, um, uh, you know, Jenny Corwin, our Director of Consumer Insights, and uh, Andrea Stokes, who's the Practice Lead for Hospitality at J.D. Power. And again, I'm Michael Taylor. I'm the Practice Lead for Travel. You've been listening to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. And if you'd like to learn more about J.D. Power and our practices, you can go to jdpower.com, go in the upper right-hand corner, hit Businesses. And you'll scroll down to travel and you'll be able to see the things that, uh, that we've been working on and, some, and have access to some of the press releases and press interviews that we've been doing uh, on topics like COVID and topics that are not COVID related. And uh, thankfully, we're getting more of the non-COVID related questions uh, from the press these days. Well, thank you once again, and uh, we'll see you next month. Mm-hmm.